Hey everyone, welcome. I hope that you're doing well. We are in an auspicious time of year. This is the month of Elul, the Jewish month of Elul, 30 days before the high holidays, the days of awe, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. It is an awesome time of year. It's a tremendous time of year. Drink it up, soak it up. Every single moment is powerful. Every single moment is awesome. And it is a time for you to unleash yourself, the best possible you. Start visualizing it. Envision it. Who who are you? Who are you today? Where are you going? What is this journey that you're on? What do you want the year to look like? We know the power of manifestation, the power of visualization. We spoke about it a little bit in previous podcasts in the last episode that we recorded. And this is the time of year. Don't just tralila into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that's coming up uh, without any sort of preparation. This time is supposed to be awesome and exciting, exciting. Every single day is another opportunity to just take some time out of your day and get in the zone. It shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be anxiety provoking. It should be exciting and fun and beautiful and amazing. So my guest today is going to discuss a lot about the tactics of goal setting, because hopefully as you take some time, you want to sit down and think about what your goals are for this year. And usually this time of year, we like to record a conversation about um, what a successful goal setting look like, because we know that New Year's resolutions don't last. Uh, like my guest last year around this time, we had Charlie Harari on, and uh, his quote is, he said, you know, everyone knows that uh, New Year's resolutions, it's just a pump fake, right? It doesn't, they, they don't last because uh, there is a lot of steps that are involved in actually making a goal uh, be something that uh, reaches its successful accomplishment. So my guest today is actually um, someone who's very dear to me. My wife's cousin, his name is Mordechai Holtz, and he is a social media strategist, a digital marketing strategist. He's worked for some really incredible uh, companies and organizations. He worked for United Hatzalah. He worked for the city of Jerusalem. And now he's working for Ericsson. He'll tell you a little bit more about his work today. And for several months now, we've been discussing the right opportunity to have him on the podcast. And what do we want to talk about? Because he has so much wisdom and so much good stuff to say. And I, and and it just hit me that like Elul is the perfect time because he's such a like strategic thinker. He's a guy who sets goals for himself in his in his spiritual growth, in his health. He's a runner uh, in his business in the businesses that he works for, and he hits those goals. And that's unusual. And every single time I get a chance to sit down, he lives in Israel, but every single time we get to sit down, I hear about all the different things that he's working on and I watch his growth and he has a beautiful family. So I wanted to pick his brain to hear a little bit about how he structures his goal setting and what he's working on this Elul. So I think that you will really enjoy this conversation. The first part of our conversation, we speak a lot about his work. I was especially interested about his role as the social media manager of the city of Jerusalem's Instagram account. I thought that was really cool. And I sort of got swept up in hearing a little bit about what that's like. And then about a third of the way into the conversation, we start speaking about, you know, goal setting and more Elul related things. So, so I hope you listen through and I hope that you'll enjoy and that you'll be able to grow from the ideas that Mordechai has to share. 
I also want to put out one other offer to my listeners. I usually talk about this usually about once a year on the podcast, usually right around this time of year, as you are looking ahead and as you're setting your goals. People who aim for high performance have found that working together with some sort of coach, someone to hold you accountable, really ups the likelihood that you will have clarity in your goal setting and that you'll be successful in the goals that you're trying to set out for yourself. So usually a couple of times a year, I have the opportunity to take on new coaching clients. Thank God over the course of the last 10 years, we've seen really great success. Um, it's not my full-time gig. I run the organization called Live Experience, as you probably know, and obviously this podcast and the books that I write, but it is something that I spend a chunk of my time doing. And it is really one of the most rewarding things that I do because I've really seen people make tremendous breakthroughs in their spiritual growth, in their relationship growth, work-life balance, uh, marriage, parenting, dating. These are all things that I've had the privilege of coaching people. And I've had the privilege of really seeing tremendous, tremendous breakthroughs. So uh, if that is something that you think that you are interested in, you can reach out to me and we'll have a conversation and we'll discuss what that looks like. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But either way, it's certainly worth taking that first step and reaching out because you'll see even just reaching out is the first step to you really making that statement to yourself that your goals are important to you. So that's a little bit of a sales pitch there. And now let's get back to the conversation at hand. And without further ado, here is my episode with Mordechai Holtz. This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. Welcome, friends, to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. It is the month of Elul, which is a time for growth. And I'm sitting here with a human being who I admire, maybe even somewhat of a role model of mine, and also a family member, a cousin, Mordechai Holtz. Welcome to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Thank you so much. Chodesh Tov. Chodesh Tov. So, you know, uh, one, of my, one of my rabbis, he used to say that if you treat your life like a business, mm -hmm. then you'll really succeed. Because with business, people have like very clear set goals and strategies and things like that. So whenever, like when Elul comes, I always think to myself, like, how can I, how can I treat this like a business? So when I was thinking about like a podcast episode of like, who could I bring on who really is like, you know, a strategist who does strategic planning and things like that, that can really give us like practical advice. So, you know, Mordechai and I have been jamming out for a while, mm -hmm. trying to think we wanted to do a podcast together, trying to think about what would be the perfect topic. And then this just dropped into my head as like the perfect thing for us to sit on. And that is using ideas from a social media marketing strategist and how to apply these things to LL. So Mordechai, I'm excited. Why don't you, let, let's begin, just share with the audience who doesn't know you yet, a little bit about who you are and what sure. you do. First of all, uh, I've never been called the role model by anyone other than my kids, so I'm <laughs> honored. I'm honored by that, but it's 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 a lot of fun to be part of uh, your your journey, and it's been fun to, to like you said to jam it out over the last couple you know last few years. It's not just a couple anymore. Um, so I've been I live in Israel, been working in marketing now close to twelve years, maybe even more at this point. Now I work at Ericsson, which is one of the largest five G providers in the world. 
Uh, so we work with Verizon and other large tech, uh, telecom companies. So that's where I work now. And before that, I worked at United Atsala as their new media director. And before that, I was working at the city of Jerusalem, working with their tourist tourism division to bring tourists to, uh, to Jerusalem. And I'm proud to say that because of the work that was somewhat involved, I was involved in, we, we were able to be ranked by several large uh, industry newspapers to, as one of the top destinations, top destinations back when. Obviously, that was pre-COVID. Um, but anyway, so this, you know, like you said, it's it's true that when you when you live your life with a much more deliberate and much more focused kind of manners. Not to say that people who are not in the business world can't be organized and structured, but when people who are take their approach and put on their business hat or business keep, as I like to say, you know, they put on their business keep up for a little bit. They they realize that there are some things that just make sense when we look at it from that perspective versus looking at it just saying, is, oh, I'll do this, or uh, this year I want to, you know, start exercising, or this year I want to start uh, changing the way I eat, or this way, this year I'm going to start, you know, reading books. And that approach usually is, is what a person not with their mindset or business focus mindset will do versus someone who has a little bit more of a structure and uh, what they call it in business and marketing, we call them smart goals. Smart is uh, they're short. It's a short form for specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and time bound. Meaning that specific, we just specific, measurable, measurable, actionable, relevant, actionable. and right. time bound. So right. instead of me saying is I'm going to exercise this year is I'm going to, I'm going to work out on a bike twice a week for 45 minutes period right so that saying is it's very specific i'm going to go on a bike measurable i'm going to be doing is 30 minutes twice a week it's actionable meaning i'm going to make an improvement in how i'm doing it relevant because i want it that's what something that i really want to do and time bound meaning it's, it's for 30 minutes and this is by the end of this year i i've done you know i've done twice a week 30 minutes bike and it's there so it's really that's what we call them smart goals it's a you know an acronym that people use a lot um in the business world and it, it makes sense obviously but at the same time we have to be yeah you know, that's the, the first i guess would be the first way to kind of take on the business or marketing example into personal life is really making all your goals smart let's apply yeah and i want to talk about them more shortly i'm just still i kind of got a little bit hooked when you said that you did the social media for the city of jerusalem and you built them up to one of the top yeah. tourist destinations so first of all that's really really cool and that speaks a lot to you also speaks a lot to hashem to god yeah because right? also yes. there's a little bit of jerusalem but i love that it's such a good team mordechai holtz together yeah. with god throwing a little kotel <laughs> over there a little western wall and you yeah so the, the and, truth is you know is, uh, you're right it, it was probably one of the coolest jobs i'll ever have in my life yeah so there. just tell me talk about that a little bit like what is yeah. it what does it take to be the social media marketing strategist for the city of of, of Jerusalem, like just talk, uh, just talk so, about that just for a minute, and then we'll get sure. back to Elul. Sure. Uh, so actually, the truth is, it's related to Elul as well. It's you know, it, I was I was there for five years, and I was also at the same time while working there, I was also managed a um, I was managing and create and started and maintaining a personal or like a side uh, marketing digital marketing agency, but. Every day was a new, exciting. There are great events, 
you know, we have what they called anchor events. Basically, there are certain events that the city of Jerusalem hosts for tourists, not for locals that we kind of, you know, kind of retrofit to be for tourists, but rather events that are meant for tourists, like the Jerusalem Marathon, like uh, there was, they started a food festival that was, you know, very impressive. That's part of, uh, that's part of their annual calendar. They have three or four major events throughout their annual calendar. And those events are used to bring tourists and bring uh, people outside of Israel. And um, one of the interesting things about the city of Jerusalem's marketing and planning is two things, but one of the more interesting ones is that they don't focus on North America, um, especially North American Jews, because they know those people are kind of like the, you know, they're, they're a given and they know that they're going to come. And so they were really focusing on the European market. And at, at, towards the end of my career there, they were focusing on expanding it to the Chinese market. Uh, so that was really cool. And so we got to learn a lot about the different European markets and, and things like that. Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking that like being the being the social media guy for the city of Jerusalem is kind of like the next thing after like being like God's <laughs> social media person. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there there okay, was a guy, there was a guy who did that. He used to, I don't know if he still does it. There used to be a guy who would who would um who would tweet from from like the Western wall as if he was the Western wall. And like, you know, like you would read out, you know, read out some of the notes or something like that. And like, you know, make fun. It wasn't making fun. I think he was trying to be serious about it, but it's clearly like a, there's like a little bit of like a, a dig there, but it was, um, it's yeah, you know, it's, cool. it's really cool. It's really, you know, it's really unique to see how to position Jerusalem, how to talk and market Jerusalem, not from what you know and what you've seen and what you've experienced yourself, but how other people should do it. And that was really what we, we've moved away from a lot of times destinations brands companies focus on the product from their eyes as opposed to what the person meaning the the person who's the consumer the person who experiences the person who uses their product looks at it so in other words in the case of the city of jerusalem i we stopped collecting pictures from our own data bank and what we just did is we saw people and we were able to map out where people were in the dip in you know, main destinations, main areas, not just the Kotel, but the Shuk and other museums. And as people were sharing content, we had a very sophisticated platform that was able to basically collect all this material and get their permission to use it. And then we would share their material instead of us sharing our own material because their eyes, their story, their material was much more compelling, much more interesting, and much more unique than us just keep on sharing the same material and same content. So it was really, we were looking at it from the eyes of the tourist, and it gave us a little bit more of a of a journey. It gave us a little bit more of a story, and that, that was really fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. just curious what what is a from your experience, what mm. is a sell or a draw of Jerusalem that maybe somebody wouldn't necessarily think of like obviously we could sell the Kotel, you could sell the shook you could sell but what yep. would be something that maybe so, no, someone wouldn't expect yeah so first of all you're right the old city every i mean if you look at it from a perspective of europe every european city that i know of has an old city or has some sort of like a, you know ancient spot that everyone goes to or old spot and it's it's and from that perspective what they call it the old town that's what they call it the old town in europe and we call it the old city but it's the same thing cobblestone streets you know historic history from thousands of years ago it's pretty much like a copy paste and that was pretty much everyone goes there and it's unique but what it's not and that is and from that perspective, you could say, okay, then it's just another European destination. But from the perspective of how do I make that old city or that shook or the Yafo Street or whatever it is, how do we make that interesting? And so these small niche tours like a 
bar crawl of the shuk. The shuk most people think of during the day, Fridays. We go there, we see all our friends, we eat the food, and we leave. But in the last five years, and even during COVID, when people were kind of at home, third the the shuk, and I can tell you because my daughter or our my wife and I, our daughter. Uh, you know, when I've seen it myself, we go, she goes to the Shook on Thursday nights and not go, she doesn't go to, you know, Ben Yehuda Street, which used to be the most popular place. She goes to the Shook, the Shook recreates itself into a live bar scene. Yeah. So you go to the, during the day, it's like this, you know, bustling food market. And all of a sudden at night, it's, it's jam packed to the point where there are days where you can literally not move from how many people there are there. So there's the pub crawls of the Shuk. There's the running tour of Jaffo in Jerusalem that a friend of mine once started a, a tour. He was a he was a runner and he wanted to run. So he started a running tour. Like literally you get up, you start at one point and you run a certain distance through the city of Jerusalem. And you get to see, and he gives a tour, like a short mini tour of each area with running and stopping, whatever it is. Uh, you create the old city. Instead of just doing the standard old city, you would do is, Hidden alleyways, or graffiti art of Jerusalem, or uh, you know, going hearing the haunted houses, or like the dark alleys of you know Jerusalem, and then that kind of thing. Or it would be there's unique museums, there's unique personalities, there's tasting tours. So all these things, it's not just your standard, you know, standard go in, get your old city, walk around the old city, and leave. It's rather it's like these kind of what are you interested in? Are you into photography? So well, there are tours that are phot photography based around Jerusalem. We'll get you to the five best destinations, not just the ones or five based locations and not just the ones that you and I can think of right off the bat, but rather more unique ones. Or are you looking for the, you know, if, you know, if the, if the cemetery tours, because most people think of only two cemeteries in, in Jerusalem, but there's like six or seven of them and they tell a story of Jerusalem we don't know. And so that we can think of that. And then we could do another tour of along the light rail at night, or we could do, you know, so that's how they, they recreated these really cool, we didn't only create them. Sometimes they were already there and we just had to help, you know, help promote them by giving it as an options when people were trying to create packages and destination. destination. Right. As you're speaking, as you literally everything you're saying, I'm having like, I'm like visualizing this all in my head and I want to be in Jerusalem like huh. right now. As you're saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all we all want to be in Jerusalem. Yeah, fortunately enough, I, I can say is I live very close. Right. Um, it's it's an amazing place. It's great to be there, and you know, there's a, per, a certain power and there's a certain vibe that you go and matter where whatever part of Jerusalem you're in, that vibe is there, and there it just it's inexplicable unless you're there. Yeah. Um, and Jews and non-Jews all say the same thing. There's something about it, something in the air. There's a sense of family, the sense of being home, sense yeah. of being complete. Um, yeah, I guess I hope that's not a harsh segue. No, um, no, no. It's it, it's a good it's a good segue. But as you're speaking, there's just something something else that I want to bring up that I think is a, is, a, yeah. is a valuable valuable question and something that I think about yeah. a lot. And I'm realizing you're the right guy to speak about. And just before I ask it, I just want the listeners to realize that besides for being a brilliant social media and marketing strategist, Mordechai is also. He's like a real, he's a spiritual dude. He's like, yeah, you're, you're a chassid, you're a Zionist. He learns Rabbi Nachman's Torah. He goes to the Rebbe's, he uses the mikvah. You know, again, I'm, I don't know if all the listeners even know all these terms that I'm sharing right now, right? But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a real yid. Um, that being said, I think often a lot about, like here we're speaking about, we're speaking about Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. We're speaking about yeah. the, the center of the world, the holiest place in the world, the place where we're hoping, you know, Mashiach is going to come and rebuild the temple and everything. How do we, 
as spiritual seekers who are sitting there waiting, we're eyeing, we're looking at Israel, we're looking at Jerusalem, waiting for Messiah, waiting for Mashiach, waiting for this holiness. How do we view this rebuilding of Jerusalem, of, of Israel, through uh, the things that you mentioned? You mentioned lots about the culture, the coolness yeah. of the place. You know, I think Thursday nights is beautiful. I love Thursday nights at the show, but yeah. it is a bar scene. So my question is, how do we see these two things working together? Yerushalayim is becoming a world center of tourism, not right. only because of the spirituality, but also because of these cultural things. How does that sort of work hand in hand with what we're waiting for, for, you know, so, for Mashiach to come and for Jerusalem? I'm going to answer it with a quote, and I can't remember the exact quote because I don't remember it word by word, but it goes something to the effect of, uh, this uh, there was a rabbi in Jerusalem who unfortunately recently passed away, but he used to say, "Is if you want to see God, you go to the Kotel, you go to you know you go to the center of it all, and you'll see God. But if you want to see what Judaism is all about, you go to the Shuk on a Friday afternoon. You see <laughs> the hustle, the bustle. You see the food. You see everyone screaming at each other, but loving each other. You see everything, and you see that's you know that's just as much Jerusalem as the Kotel and the the old city. And there's this wonderful thing. So how do we how do we you know how do we explain that? I think it needs to, we have to recognize that Jerusalem is not just one or the other, and there's, it's both. And what brings people to, you know, what brings people to Jerusalem and maybe even Israel as a whole is that, is that uniqueness. It's not the, it's a little bit less structured. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, you're going home. So when you go home, you don't always expect everything to be in that perfect spot. And you, you just, you feel comfortable. And it's, you know, some people just tap into the spiritual and say, okay, I want to go to the first sunrise minion. And I want to go to the, I want to go to the old city. And on Friday night, I want to be there dancing with thousands of soldiers to them. That speaks to them. The next person says, I want to be on a Friday afternoon in the, you know, Friday, let's say 11 o'clock in the morning. I want to be in the center of this, of the market when everyone's buying and shopping and everyone's tasting the foods and eating. And that, that speaks to someone else. And that for them is a spiritual experience. There's nothing them picking out that perfect fruit or that hot Bob, you know, the hot rugelach or that hot challah and tasting it and eating it and bring it home for them. That's a spiritual experience, right? So those are spiritual experiences. And we just have to recognize that there's like these moments that are not necessarily the traditional, quote unquote, spiritual experiences, but they're there to help us on that journey of getting closer to God. Um, I just saw recently on Instagram, actually, this wonderful Russian Chabad guy, uh, rabbi who, got, who hosts a camp for Russian uh, children all over Russia. And he, the, he interviewed one of the parents after the kids were coming back. And this Russian parent said, I wait for my daughter to come home so she can show me with passion all the mitzvot, all the her experiences, and how we how we should do it, and why we do things, and and I said, well, that's such a beautiful thing. First of all, the fact that the father is willing to send her his daughter to summer camp, to a Jewish summer camp, which he may not necessarily feel comfortable with, but he said she comes home with so much passion and so much you know energy, and he and she makes the entire experience of Judaism so positive. And I, I know many stories of where the children come back from a one week tour in Israel or a two week or a three week or whatever it is, and they come back with so much energy that the parents was just like 
either we haven't been ever or we haven't been in who knows how many years it's time to go back yeah. right so those are the kind of things where you say is okay that's that's and and, and, it, and it's the whole experience it's yeah, the, exactly. everything from yes it's the kotel but it's also the dancing in the yeah. shuk, and it's also it's yeah. the whole yeah. thing oh absolutely that creates for the the vessel that's able to house the spiritual yeah. core and 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 deliver it with with, yeah. with sweetness i love that yeah Absolutely. I'm thinking also just something just an idea popped into my head as you were speaking that, you know, one, one of my rabbis told me once, he said that, because um, I, I, I asked him, I said, you know, you, sometimes you go to a, a concert, a rave or a rock concert or something like that. And you see people are, they're just having such an incredible, transcendent, immersive, intense experience. And you then you go to like, you know, shul and it's kind of very, very bland. And yeah. he said that that's an aspect of exile, that part of uh, aspect of exile, the Shekhinah, the divine presence going into exile, means that the joy and the intensity and the fun and the energy that you're supposed to feel in prayer and in spiritual service, it's in exile when you see it just out, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in a rave, but you could learn from there. Where you want yeah. to look at that, and instead of just poo poo, instead of you know yeah. making light of it, yeah. you want to say, "Wow, like I want to learn from that, and now bring that home." And then when you see that it's happening, not you know in the middle, you know, not out in 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 you know some desert, you know, in near California, but it's actually happening in the shuk, a half a mile away from yeah. the old city. You're like the shchina, like you're so close, like you're coming home, like you just gotta move yeah. over, like it's going closer, yeah. and closer. Pretty yeah. soon, it's gonna be right there, you know, at, at the kotel, at the Western Wall, in the base of Mikdash itself, you know. Yeah, it's uh, the Shlomo Karloch used to say is that there's sometimes there are places where prayer is so cold, you know, it's like a refrigerator, you know, it's yeah. like it's just it's just it's just not it's nothing special, you know, it's you know it was and that you're right now. How do we turn a rave into a you know a, a, a prayer experience? I'm not sure yet. We'll figure that one out. We'll figure it out. But you're right. There's uh, several being great rabbis that I know. Shlomo Karbach is one. Uh, Rabbi Grossman is another. Who would go out to these places where you know. Jews were not there, but they weren't necessarily connected. And they would go there on a Friday. Rabbi Grossman was famous for years to go to these dance bar and these clubs. And he would go in there with his strimal and his hat and his coat. And he'd go in there and he tried to just get them to be part of some sort of Shabbat or Jewish experience. And Shlomo Karbach would go out into the ashrams and go into, you know, these weird places that no one would go to. And he'd bring back the, the hippies and these. and these, Because uh, the pilot light is right. on in these places. Yeah, That's yeah why. exactly. Because the and light then, is and, on and now yeah. you just got to grab it. Right. Exactly. That was his thing. So, you know, like you said, it's it, the Shuk is definitely a place to, you know, there, there's light all year, all year round, whether it's during the day or at night. It's just a matter of how do we to uh, how do we tap into it? Um, I'm going to try to bring it back into something that we want to uh, more LL related to so LL, you know, is the 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 the, the, the I guess the acronym there is. Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed Lamed is Anila Dodi, the Dodi Li, right? I'm for my beloved and my beloved is for me. And how do we get close to our beloved? We do things that we want to do. We want to make sure that they're there, that I feel close to them and they feel close to me. So how do I return? I return by doing things that I want that I want to do and not things that I think that we should do. Right. So I know that we I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to learn i'm supposed to expand my journey i'm supposed to do these things but you have to do them as i want and you want to really want to do it because when you're connected to someone you love or connected to god with the old you know hashem you have to do it from the sense of love and purpose and when you do it from the sense of love and purpose all of a sudden it's not that uh i feel like i have to do it but i really want to do it. and that certain sort of want will make you that will all of a sudden a make you more driven 
And the other thing that I, I think is also a, a way to change it and kind of move it when we do so is when we want to do something like a, a should to a want, right? If I if I want something, it really makes it makes you really yearn for it and and dream it and make it happen. And the other thing is you want to say is I have to stop doing this or I have to stop doing that. When you say I have to stop doing something, that all of a sudden that it's like a it's like this bad thing. It's like this it's a it makes you feel like that you've been doing a bad thing you're a bad person and that is a very hard thing for people to accept both in business and personally and rather they that you have to do is you what do i want to achieve it's a want it's not a stop doing this right i want to get to a point where i'm healthy right i want to be able to pick up my grandchildren when i'm older i want to be able to run with my grandchildren play baseball or play basketball so i have to do now is start focusing on my health now. So that way in 10, 15, 20 years, when my grandchildren are ready to play, I can still be, you know, a alive, but more importantly, I'm healthy and I'm around. So when I do it as a want, as a, then by default, I already know whether I have to kind of change my behaviors now. So that way it's there, but I, I'm doing it as a want and I'm doing it as a, as a thing that I really am interested in doing. And I've invest, I have a vested interest in doing it. That makes it more actionable and, I just want to pause just yeah. just, just right, yeah. right over there yeah, just because I, I want to I want to reflect that back and really take it in. It sounds overall from what I'm hearing from you already going back to when you were speaking about about social media success, business success, Yerushalayim success, and now spiritual success. It sounds if I can just sort of boil it down is it sounds like it begins with authenticity and something that comes organic and natural. If you're, let's you go back to the muscle, the parable of social media, of Instagram, right? When you're sitting there and you're trying to force it, uh, yeah. it's not going to catch on. When it's right. natural, when you're just saying, okay, you know, let me just, let, 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 let me roll with it. Let me see what comes natural. What is the story? What is the story that flows naturally? Then I'm successful in my you know, personal business life, but also I'm successful in my spiritual life when I sort of look at the, the things that 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 are true to me and say, okay, no, this is where my ruchnis, this is where my spiritual journey starts. My spiritual journey starts in the places that draw my heart into it, yep. that draw my heart to it. And those are going to be the things that I'm going to be enthused about. That's the start. And then you want to, I, if I can just add, add, add some, something to this, the same way that if you're being true and you're being authentic via social media, Okay, just again, to go back to the parable, you're going to be able to do it frequently, consistently, right? Bite size, you know, small step by step. So then also in your own personal journey, the more that you feel drawn to it, the more that you're going to be uh, con consistent about it. It's going to be a natural outgrowth of who you are. Absolutely. And like, you know, there's uh, Simon Sinek, who's a very famous inspirational writer. Uh, he's, I believe he's a psychologist. Um, I think they call him like a cultural psychologist, when I'm not mistaken. He says, begin with why. Why am I doing these things? Why am I doing it? And you begin with your why. Why do I want to do these things? And it's remarkable to see that, you know, in Judaism, at least I'm sure there's other things as well. But in Judaism, you, know, you find you're, there are 15 people in the room and every one of them has a certain reason or a different reason as to why or how they connect to God, but they all connect to God in some way. And that connection for them is meaningful. It's you know, like you called me the spiritual person, right? So I'm spiritual in one way. And the next person says, well, for me, spirituality means that I have my set times. I have my set things that I do. And every day it's the same thing, but that for me is my spiritual connection. And, and somehow they both feel equally connected. They feel equally relatable. You know, they feel a strong relationship to God based on that, you know, 
very one person structured and one person's let's call it a little bit more open-minded and whatever it is but either way it's it's remarkable that you know for us that we go back to Elul Elul is about my beloved I am for my beloved beloved is to me it's remarkable that God has that is willing to listen to each one of them and not give one person more one person less but rather they he gives that what they need at the time I think what, what one of the reasons why you know early on when I said a role model and 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 I wasn't just you know giving flattery but one of the things <laughs> that often like we I'll use as an example especially you know when I'm speaking to students or family and if you if you did met Mordechai for the first time you 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 would you would not be successful at putting him in any one box or any one label, you know, because he's a guy He's you know, he wears a kippah struga, but he wears a bekisha on Shabbos, you know, and he's, he's got you, you, you pull from the aspects of Judaism that speak to you, you know, that, that, that inspire you. And you do, you, you, you have this kind of, you know, big, beautiful blend and you do what, what, what comes natural to you. And I think that that's really one of the, mm-hmm. one of the beautiful things that, uh, that it's often hard for people people to do because people like to label themselves on this, on this, on this, on this. And then they feel like they have to stick to a certain playbook of rules or style or things like that because of, of, of where they come from. So I think that you really, you really embody um, and, and, and you live by, by what you're saying. So, um, uh, so again, so I know before we started, you, you know, I, I, we, we focused on, on certain things, but I think that you had, you, you said that you had a couple of different steps yeah. about that you used to create a marketing strategy that you would apply. So I'm sure you already touched on some of them, but let's, let, let's move on. Tell, tell yeah. me some of the other things you were thinking so of. So the way I, you, know, I, you could look at it as from a marketing perspective, but we could, you know, well, I'll kind of mix personal development and marketing just to make a sense that it it's and how the applications are. So the first thing we want to do is you want to kind of have, like I said, is the goals. You want a vision. What what do I want to get to? So when we start a new year or a new opportunity, we like to look at it and say, is not in an overwhelming sense, but just say is a new opportunity and a new opportunity, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new profession, whether it's a new life in a new school or whatever it is, um, you want to look at it and say, okay, I have certain, I would like to get to a certain goal and that's my vision. And those are some of the goals that I'd like to get to. And once you write that down, and then the next thing I would do is, and that this is also what not only for in business, but also in personal, you, you want to write it down. You want to make sure that it's there. It's, it's, you, you have it on a piece of paper somewhere accountable for it you look at it you refer to it you could always change it and there's things that you don't think that's set in stone are you talking about like a long document like a long no 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 i mean listen there strategy documents i've written strategy documents that are 90 pages i'm not talking about a 90 page document i'm saying is if i had to write saying is this year i'd like to get to this you know i want to I want to work on my my ex, my let's call it my fitness goal so i want to be able to run a marathon by the end of this year right so that's my goal that's just like a one thing, you know, one one line just to make myself a little bit more focused because otherwise everyone's brains kind of just float all over the place. The next thing I would do is saying is what do I have to, in order to get to that one line that I just wrote, I have to write some specific goals and some specific uh, like objectives to kind of get there. So what it means, do I have to change my diet? Does it mean I have to buy a pair of shoes? Do I have to mean I have to, you know, join a gym? Do I have to, I don't know start running i don't know do i have to start biking whatever the whatever the exercise of choice may be then i have to start saying is what around me like what we call it in business we'll call it a market analysis around me what are the strengths weaknesses what we call swat which is strength weaknesses opportunities and threats what's around me that is gonna what's my strength so right now i happen to like running so there, that's a strength for me because i like running the weakness for me is that I live in an area that's a lot of hills, right? Or that I'm not necessarily, I'm good at, I, I'm running at, I like to run three or four kilometers, but 42 kilometers is, is, 
is it is it over that's a threat right because to me that's overwhelming right or i've never run before so that's let's call it running or opportunity is there's a jerusalem marathon coming up in march so there's my that's my opportunity what else what around the market what around me is makes this opportunity make sense at this time right so that would be a good way to look at it saying What's that we call it the SWAT, which is like I said, is, is short for strength, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Who what about me? Maybe it's my kids or need me at this time of day. So I have to that's from many people, that's a strength, but at the same time, it's not an I don't want to call it a threat, but it's also like it's a weakness because I know that I have to get around that time. My kids need me. So that means that those time, that those hours. I can't be out running for whatever it is. And so it means maybe I have to wake up a little earlier. Or I have to go to sleep a little bit later, or I have to rejiggle the schedule. But those are, you have to look at what's going on, the reality on the ground right now, knowing who you are, knowing what's, what you have that, that you do on a day-to-day. -day. My job means I have to be at nine o'clock in the morning here or 10 o'clock or whatever it is. And so if that means I have to be at nine o'clock and I need to do a, a long run, all of a sudden there's, you know, these, all you have to play around with different parameters. So that's, let's call it the, you know, kind of analysis of, of the market or what's going on around me. Then let's just say is who's my target? Who am I trying to improve? Is it me only, or is it my family? Is it my kids? Is it my community? Right. Yeah, and then that a wonderful cut... book called who, not how that says that yeah. every single yeah. quote, whenever you're starting a new goal, your first question yeah. is who, Right. Who are the partners? Who needs yeah. to be part of this? Exactly. And that, and what we have to understand, how is the easy part? I really honestly believe that the how is, is relatively easy once we get understand is who am I looking to impact? Is it just me? Is it my family? Is it my coworkers? Is it my colleagues? And by the way, as you grow and as you get more into whatever this may, it may be, like it may be running, it may be spiritual growth, it may be uh, music, I don't know, it may be going to more classes, whatever it is, you start getting into it and you find it's new community and new people that are around there. And you're just like, I want to be part of that more. Or those people inspire me to be a, a greater version of myself because they, or at least in this time, you know, for a couple of years ago during COVID is a good example is I, I used to, I've run marathons before. And then about two years or three years ago during COVID, you know, everyone was locked down and everyone was kind of doing their own thing. And I wanted to start getting more into running. It was a perfect opportunity because we were working from home so much. So I joined a running group, which was a very competitive running group. Uh, and those people pushed me. I, I don't think I would ever, except for one of the people who's my direct neighbor, most of those people I wouldn't interact with on a daily day basis, but once a week we would get together, we'd go in there, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd do our running, whatever lesson or group, you know, work that we had to do. And then we'd sit around for half an hour talking, you know, whatever it was, but there, they gave me, like they pushed me in a certain sense and they gave me that sense of, Oh, this is what I'm trying to achieve this goal of reaching, you know, my marathon at a certain time. So we're all doing this together. And, and not, we didn't all run the same marathon. We all ran different ones, but we were all training together and we were all part of that thing together. And that group collective experience all of a sudden said, wow, you know, we want to be there together. Um, so the other thing is, you know, what we call it in, in business, we would call it competitive, competitive analysis is like, who are my competition or what's against me? What What's going on in my surroundings that might compete with the time that I need to invest in yeah. doing these things. Most people would say is my competition or the things that are competing. Be, uh, if, right, if I look at a competition, it's win versus loss, right? In sports, it's win versus loss. How many wins? How many losses? In personal growth, it's not wins and losses. And I don't necessarily, I think that's where a lot of people view it as wins and losses. And it's not, it's not black and white like that. We have to have a flexibility with ourselves, with the people around us that we, that matter to us. Uh, with our families, 
uh, both personal and professional with everyone else. We have to be flexible because things happen, things change. And if we can, we understand once we understand that things change and there, there's a flexibility, then our, then our, our reality is not as harsh and as black and white as it was before we look at it and saying is, Oh, well, I lost today because I didn't get to exercise or I lost today because I didn't get to study that I, the, the amount that I wanted to study. Right. So give a little, a little flexibility, a little bit of understanding that things change and there's a dynamic, you know, tomorrow my cousin's getting married. And I, I, all of a sudden I can't be, can't do the time. I can't spend all the time that I wanted to do with that thing that I was going to do. I, I dedicated myself flexibility. Uh, reminders, right? The thing that we always do is how do we set up a schedule in <clears throat> marketing? We have a schedules, we have calendars, we have, you know, planners, we have task assignments, right? We we use these systems in order for us to make sure that this, the work gets done. But in personal, we have so many great apps out there, whether it's a, a an exercise app, whether it's a reminder app, whether it's our personal calendar that just reminds us, you know, at one point I had a, we set the running group that I mentioned, he had set it, they had set it up that they would have, like, it was built into your Outlook, into your uh, Google calendar, what exercise or what run had to be done on each day so that way you, you didn't even have to even ask, A, but more importantly, it was built into your calendar so the reminder would just pop up, right? What can we do to set up ourselves for success in these silly things that sound silly, but they remind us, right? Some people, when they, you know, Peloton is a huge thing now, right? Peloton, they, as soon as you turn the machine on, they say, there's a class right now in 10 minutes from now, join right now, right? or they have a class that you, you like. So you just, and they, they just kind of give you that schedule. They give you like a whole plan, build the plan out. Or if, and if you can't do it yourself for whatever reason, and you feel overwhelmed by doing it yourself, there's so many people out there in so many different ways, whether it's Facebook groups, uh, you know, you're in a, in a spiritual journey. It might be the rabbi. It might be someone that you confide in, whatever it may be, the Rebbitzin, right? Someone that helps you grow and, and you feel comfortable with, they'll help you get to that point where you can build out those nice, small, you know, measurable, achievable, you know, and actionable kind of, you know, smart goals. How do we get to there? Uh, this, the next thing is track, track your progress, right? You know, Peloton does it when they, the person on the, on the giving the class announces the 1000th rider, the 500th rider, the 200 rider, right? The person who does that, that celebrates your success. And it's also tracking your progress because you get to see, and they also, you know, they're, they're, again, these, apps are out there and there are tools out there both for spiritual growth and Jewish growth and also regular just personal achievements. And they're out there that just to say is, okay, today, you know, it's whether it's a, an app to track how much food you take in in a day or how much running you've done, they show you over the course of a month, you've reached this and they, you know, they're built in this. So the reminders are there. And the final thing, like, I think is really important. Um, and it's something that we should celebrate. And it's something that we do. You you reach a new milestone in your your personal success, your personal journey. Reward yourself and not don't make it just a personal thing saying, oh, I'm going to go out for ice cream myself. I'm happy with what I did. It's a public thing. Make it a public thing and make it a big deal in your family and those people who are around you that are close to you. Make it a big deal because that making it a big deal will make you want to go the next time with another big deal, right? If you do it for your personal thing, people are going to be like, okay, so I, you know, you're going to be like, okay, I had ice cream today. Wonderful. Like I invested so much time and all I get is this little, and that might be important to you, but making it a big deal because the people around you who are helping you reach that success are also important. So in, in goal, you know, when you, as you get closer to the celebration and you get closer to that milestone, you're really invested in it. You're really there. And by the time it's done, you really feel amazing about yourself. 
Um, that's what I would say. I, so I actually, I want to, I want to repeat that because I took this down notes of steps. So I just want to repeat very, very quickly, just fire back all of these steps that you just said, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end it because I know that we're over time, but I have number one, you're creating, you're writing down a vision, whether it's one goal or maybe a few goals or maybe just a picture, but you're sort of writing down that vision. You're putting it in writing. Number two is you're setting concrete, smart goals, how you're going to get there. What do I want to accomplish by when now you're sort of refining that by number three is you're doing the SWAT strengths weakness but the point is that you're really re you're doing a reality check on your goals and trying to figure out you know what, what what do you have working for you what do you have working against you number four is you're asking yourself who else is involved with this who am I trying to influence with this who might be the resources who might be the ones that may be competition to what I'm trying to accomplish Number five, you mentioned learn how to be flexible, which is really a playoff of really three and four. Once you already identified yep. what yep. might be the barriers and who might be the barriers, now you need to learn how to be flexible sort of within that. Number six is you're building a plan in by using resources such as schedule, calendars, reminders, sort of building it around the Peloton model and then using sort of what works for Peloton for number seven is you're also tracking your progress. You have a system of how you're looking back to see what you already accomplished. And then number eight is that you have some way to celebrate and reward yourself for the success. How did I do? It was perfect. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, 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 uh, it's an important way just, just to look, understand that, you know, with these kind of big, if they sound overwhelming, most often people, there's a statistics out there, but most often people who set up these resolutions at the beginning of a year, by the end of, you know, month one or month two, they've already left it and said, ah, that was just a resolution or whatever it is. And it's been, most of the time is because they've set these really large lofty goals and also because they didn't really plan it out and they didn't take the time to invest the time maybe before, which is, you know, Elul comes before Rosh Hashanah. It doesn't come after, right? The, the new year, you start planning, you start working on yourself and you start improving yourself now so that by the time the new year comes in, you're looking at saying is I'm ready to go, right? So most people take the time, New Year's resolution start a couple of days before, but really, if you want to really do something and succeed, you plan it out with enough time to give yourself, you know, the ability to really work on it, invest in it, take the time uh, to to work it out, to plan it out, and to really, you know, really give yourself that time that is important and necessary because you want to really make a difference in yourself. So you have to really give yourself the time that that you deserve. And by doing it that way, when you come into Rosh Hashanah or you come into the you know that new year and you say, "This is what I've done, and this is what I'm." I'm going to do all of a sudden you're that back to Anila Dodi, right? I'm for my beloved. So my beloved sees that I'm invested in it because I've taken the time during the month of Elul to really say is, okay, look, this is my plan and make sure that I have that, you know, God, give me that, give me the resources. And my plan is here. I've already started working on it. So that way, when I, the new year comes, that's the plan. I'm, this is what I need. Now I need your help and you know, to show that the, that to make that plan a reality. Love it. See more like this is what I see in my role model. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Thank you, Mordecai, for your time and um, wishing you great success and all of the amazing things that you do and wishing you a happy and healthy and sweet new year. Amen. Thank you so much. And happy new year to everyone else. And uh, hopefully we'll see everyone in, in Jerusalem and yourself in Jerusalem soon, or in, at least in Israel. Uh, and, you know, we're looking forward to seeing everyone come back home.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.